Welcome again to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location in Belmont, Massachusetts. My name is Brian, and I pastor that location. It is good to talk to you again. All of us deal with worry in our lives. All of us have had the experience of trying to fall asleep and staring at the ceiling because we're worried about what's going to happen the next day or how we're going to make ends meet. Today we're going to think about and answer the question, how can we eliminate worry in our lives? And we're going to look at a few things that Jesus told his disciples and talk about what they mean for us. So I hope you enjoy this and I hope you listen closely because I believe that God has something he would like to say to you. It is so good to see everyone this morning. If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Justin. I serve on the preaching team here at Mount Hope, and it's really wonderful to see everyone this morning. Let me ask you a question as we begin today. Have you ever been so afraid that you couldn't sleep at night? Have you ever been so worried about something, so overwhelmed by something happening in your life that you couldn't eat, you couldn't drink anything, you couldn't sleep at night, you were restless throughout the night? I'm guessing some of you are going through that right now. You're probably in a situation right now where night in and night out, you are overwhelmed and concerned about this thing that just won't go away, this concern, this worry, this anxiety that's just taken over your life. If that's you right now, if that's... Use this microphone, sorry. Then I think God has a word as a message for you today. This morning, if you are overcome and overwhelmed by worry, I think you're in the right place today. When I was about 19 years old, a group of friends and I, we decided to head up to the White Mountains in New Hampshire. We decided we'll spend a weekend there, we'll do some hiking, we'll check out the scene, and we'll check out the sights, and we'll have a wonderful weekend together, and we'll come back home, back to college, and have a normal life again. Little did I know that the next 36 to 72 hours would be some of the scariest hours of my life. While we were up in the mountains, our plan was to go hiking. Now, I should remind you, and you should probably know, this is one universal truth in all of life. It's if seven teenage guys are together, something terribly wrong is bound to happen. And that weekend, something terribly wrong did happen. There were seven of us, so we multiplied the idiocy by seven times. So it was pretty bad that weekend. We went up to New Hampshire, we checked into our place that we were going to be staying, and we decided the next morning we would go for this wonderful hike. We got downstairs to the property manager and we asked him, hey, what do you think about hiking? Where should we go? What should we do? And his response to us was, I would advise you guys to be very careful because the bears are lower down in elevation right now and they are eating at this time. They're looking and they're foraging for food at this time. So please be very careful if you're going to go for a hike this time of the year. He also said, I advise you guys to go with someone that knows what they're doing. Find someone who's done it before. Don't go through these trails by yourselves. He also finally advised, I strongly suggest you not go later in the day. Go now. Leave now and come back around noon. Come back in the afternoon. Definitely don't be there after sunset. Now, we heard all these things and we ignored every one of those things. We decided that we would go to the pool in the morning and hang out for a little while. And then around 3 o'clock, 3.30, we said, hey, guys, weren't we going to go hiking today? So we all got out of the pool, dried off, and said, let's go for a hike at this point. We put on our shorts and our sneakers and our T-shirt, which should tell you something about what we were wearing at the time. And we started our hike around 3.30. Each of us grabbed a small bottle of water. 
And one of my friends had two flashlights in his car. So we brought the two flashlights for seven of us, and we decided to go hiking. We thought we were prepared, and we started walking up into the forest. It was about 70 degrees at that time, a beautiful sunny day. We start walking up into the woods. About three hours into our hike of just talking and joking and having a good time, we look around at each other and we say, look, maybe we should head back soon, to which we said, no, it's still beautiful out. Let's just keep going. We'll, keep, we'll go see what else we can see further down this trail, and we start walking. It's around this time that a giant set of clouds start to come over us while we're in the woods, and the heavens open, and this torrential downpour starts to hit. Every trail that we saw at that point was just washed away completely, and we ran further into the woods to get protection from the rain at that point. Now, I should remind you, all seven of us grew up around cities. We had nothing to do with the woods or the forest or living out in the, in the wilderness. We knew nothing about it. And so we run deeper and deeper into the woods. We're off the trail. Everything is washed away, and floodwaters are just coming through. Mud is flowing through, and all of us at this point realize we're lost. It's about 8 o'clock at this point. The sun has already set. It's dark. We have two flashlights with us. And I, in all of my divine wisdom, brought a camcorder because I thought that would be important to bring with me at the time. And all of us, with our limited provisions, start walking through this forest, looking for a way out. I don't want to go into all the details, but over the next four to six hours or so, we would be lost in the forest. Uh, we would be afraid for our lives many times. In fact, it got to the point where the flashlights went out. Within the first hour, the flashlights were gone. We were in absolute darkness, walking through the middle of a forest. No one else knows where we are. There are no cell phones at this time, and we're just walking. It got to the point where I had to open the camcorder and use the infrared setting on the camcorder for us to see our next step. The mud became so brutal. The cold became so unbearable. It got down into the 30s in just a couple of hours, and we are freezing, we're cold, we're wet, and we have no idea where we're going. One of us has the brilliant plan, let's hike up higher so that we can go see around everything and find where we are and we'll find some lights and we'll head toward the lights. But the truth is we didn't even know how to go up versus straight or down or wherever else we were going to go. After a little while, the next plan was why don't we just sit still through the night, stay where we are, and we'll wait till the sun comes up in the next morning. We tried that for about 15 minutes before we started hearing animal sounds right next to us, and we said, nope, we're going to keep moving. We had no plan, we had no provisions, and we clearly had no clue what we were doing. Over the next several hours, we would be afraid for our lives many, many times over. In fact, there was a point where we walked right up to a ledge and except for that little infrared screen on my camcorder showing us that there was a drop in front of us, we would have fallen right over that ledge. It was frightening. That harrowing night is one that we'll never forget. And after several hours, after about 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, we started to hear the sound of rushing water. And we finally decided, let's follow the water. And that's what we did. And on, right about when the sun is rising the next morning, we finally make it back to the bottom of the mountain following that river, and we were all okay. What I'm going to tell you today and talk to you about a little today is what do we do when we worry? How do we respond to worry? How do you respond to the anxieties and the troubles and the problems that occur in our lives? And I'm going to bring up that same instance a couple more times before we're done today, but I want you to keep this in mind. Why do we worry, and what do we do to stop the worry that's in our lives? If you have your Bibles with you this morning, we're going to look at a time in the lives of Jesus and his disciples 
when he asked them to address worry in a very specific way. If you have your Bibles, we're in John chapter 14, and I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 7. John 14, verses 1 through 7. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples. He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? To which Jesus answers, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. It's a little context, a little picture that we can paint about what's happening at this specific time when Jesus is speaking to his disciples. It's interesting. If you remember last week when Thomas was speaking to us, he was talking to us from John chapter 13 in this incredible moment when Jesus, when he could have done anything to show his incredible power to his disciples, instead decided to get down and wash their feet and serve them instead of doing something else. It's in these moments, in these final hours when they are together. In fact, if you look at it, most of the book of John, the first 12 chapters or so, deal with about three and a half years of Jesus and his disciples together. But these final chapters lead to only about 18 hours of them together, the final 18 hours that they spend together. And here in these final 18 hours, what Jesus does is extremely critical because these are the moments he leaves with his disciples in order for them to carry out the mission that he's called them to. And so here in these final moments, Jesus washes their feet, but he also reveals to them that my time has come. I will not be with you much longer. You've got to put yourself in the place of those disciples at that time. They'd given up their livelihoods. They'd given up their lives in many ways. And they had followed after this teacher, this man named Jesus. They walked across the land with him, watched him turn water into wine to take five loaves and two fishes and feed 5,000 with it. They watched him do amazing things, heal lepers and, and, and forgive sin. And he watched him do these amazing things. And then they come to this moment where Jesus says, I'm not going to be with you that much longer the way that I am currently. And it's devastating to them. It's crushing to them to know that the source of all of their strength, the source of everything in their lives was about to leave them. And then on top of that, if you look at the end of chapter 13, it says there that Jesus unveils two more things to them. One of them sitting there will betray him. And another one sitting there will deny him. So talk about adding even more concern and devastation to the situation. Their lives will never be the same again. And the one thing that held them together, Jesus Christ, their Lord, is about to leave them. It's not an easy situation that they're facing. They are worried. They're overwhelmed by heartache and pain and concern. They're anxious for every moment of their lives knowing that, wait a second, if they capture our Lord and kill him, what will they do to us? They are nervous, they're anxious, they're worried. And in that moment, in that time, Jesus steps in in the midst of them and says, let not your hearts be troubled. I want you to think about something. 
When you are worried, when you're overwhelmed by pain and concern in your life, when you're overwhelmed by whether it's a diagnosis or something going on in your family or a relationship problem or something happening at work or at school, when you're overwhelmed by pain and heartache, what are the last two words you want someone to say to you? Don't worry. Those are the last two words you want to hear. Those words are words often spoken in an empty way, right? It's don't worry, and oftentimes our response to that is, how can you say that? If you could walk in my shoes, you would be worried too. How can you say don't worry? You clearly don't know what I'm going through. And it's in that moment that Jesus walks up to his disciples and says, don't worry. Don't worry. Now, they could have easily said, and in many of their hearts, it might have felt like, well, easy for you to say, Jesus, you're God. It's easy for you to say, don't worry, but what do they do? They, they respond back to him with a series of questions that are important, but they hear his words to them. Do not let your hearts be troubled, because Jesus had the cure, the antidote to worry. It was right there for them to take in that moment, and he gives it to them right there in verse 1. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Here's the cure for worry for all of us sitting here right now. The cure for anxiety, worry, and every distress in your life. Trust in God. It seems so simple. And you might be sitting right now saying, well, Justin, that's easy for you to say. You don't know what I'm going through right now. Trust in God. This simple formula that Jesus lays out for his disciples. You may think your tomorrow is desperate. You may think that your future is untenable, that there's no way that you will make it through tonight. But Jesus says in the midst of that, trust in God. Your life may be flipped upside down, but I'm calling you to trust in God. Why is it that we get upset when someone walks up to us and says, don't worry in the middle of our stress, in the middle of our trouble? Because we feel that there is nothing that they can do or say that can help us in that moment. But Jesus approaches it in a very different way. In fact, the reason why Jesus can say that is because he has prepared a plan. He's prepared a way long in advance. I want to talk about three things that God has prepared in order for us to not worry, in order for us to trust in him. God has prepared three things, and the first one is that he's prepared a plan. If you think about why my friends and I failed so miserably at hiking, it was because we had no plan. We had nothing to fall back on. Our idea of hiking was to walk until we walked back. There was no plan in place. There were no provisions that we really gathered. We just went out about our business and whatever happened would happen. But God does not see your worries and my worries in the same way because he prepared a plan long before you were born for your life and for my life. And he's prepared a plan that was being fulfilled through Jesus in that moment. A plan is such an important way to overcome worry because you know there's a strategy at work. There is no doctor that treats a patient without a plan first. There is no company that does a marketing strategy without a plan first. There is no financial success without a plan first. In the same way, God is saying, you can trust me because I've prepared a plan long before you were ever involved in this story. 
Jesus says like this, and Thomas asks him this important question. God, we, or Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way to which Jesus says, I am the way? He gives Thomas directions, very specific directions that, Thomas, if you want to overcome worry and doubt in your life, Look past the worry and doubt for a second and watch the plan that I've had in your life long before you were born. A plan that's been at work since the Garden of Eden. A plan that took thousands of years to be fulfilled in the next couple of hours, Thomas. A plan that's still at work today in your life and my life. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. A plan is such an important thing. If you see this photo up here, this artwork up here, it's a, it's a famous painting of the, the, the Siege of Vienna. If you remember to your history classes, and if you don't remember, don't worry, I'm pretending I remembered right now. I, I looked this up. The Siege of Vienna was a famous battle back in the 1500s. And what happened in this battle is quite interesting. And many military historians have studied it as a way to understand how amazing this battle really was. The Ottoman Empire, ruled by Sultan Suleiman I, decided to take over southern Europe, southeastern Europe. So he'd already invaded Hungary and taken over the nation, and now he's approaching what we have today as Austria, and he's come up to the city of Vienna. Vienna was surrounded by a large wall, and all of the members of that city went and hid inside the city behind the walls, knowing that this army, the best chance that they can stand against it is to hide behind their own walls. Suleiman showed up with 100,000 foot soldiers and 500 artillery machines, so these, the way of bombarding the city. He shows up with 100,000 soldiers and Austria, I'm sorry, Vienna could only muster about 20,000 men to defend the city. So they were outnumbered 5 to 1 and outnumbered in artillery by more than 10 to 1. There was no way that they could really stand up against this giant army that was arrayed against them. Suleiman had a very strategic plan on overtaking the city. He would send his best diggers to dig under the earth and come up to the city walls and dig under the city walls and enter the city. That was the plan they had in place. Now, the leaders of the city of Vienna did not know what to do about this plan, but they knew that's what Suleiman was doing. They would not know where they would dig up from or how to stop them when they were digging. But one mercenary soldier within the army at Vienna knew that there's maybe one way we could figure out where they're digging. He had the entire army place bowls around the entire city wall. Bowls filled with water and dried peas. They would put the dried peas in the water and leave it on the city walls. Whenever anyone was digging under the wall, the water would ripple inside the, ball, inside the bowl, and they knew that's where the army was coming in from. Immediately, they would dispatch soldiers into the tunnel, and they would destroy the army that was invading. Over the course of weeks and months, they stopped army member after, after soldier after soldier trying to enter the city through the underground tunnels simply using dried peas and water. To this day, it's known as one of the most amazing military strategies ever. And if you think about it, how did an army of 20,000 defeat an army of 100,000? They had a plan, and that's how they set their minds at ease. A plan is important, but what often happens in our lives is that we plan around our worries. We build strategies around our worries, and the truth is the more we plan around our worries, the more worried we usually get, the more stressed and anxious we usually get. But God says you can trust in God because there's a plan that I've put in place before the foundation of the world. It's not just a plan to heal you of your sickness. It's not just a plan to remove the person at work who's bothering you. It's a plan 
to save your soul and give you eternal life. That's the plan that I've prepared. You see, for many of us, we look at our worries in light of simply the plan that we have. Look, I'm going to be worried until the sickness goes away. I'm going to be worried until my family member reconciles with me. But God says that even if that happens or doesn't happen, can you see the plan that's going on? When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he's saying, I know what you're going through, but I have a cure for you that's far bigger than anything that has to do with what's happening in this temporary place and time right now. In the book of Proverbs, we read like this, trust in the Lord your God with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Trust in God. God has prepared a plan. Secondly, God has prepared a place. If you look in the verses that we just read a moment ago, we read like this. In my Father's house are many rooms. If there were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Reason number two why we don't have to worry is because God has prepared a place. When my friends and I were hiking that day and that night, we did not have a place where we were going. There was no destination in place. We were simply walking until we decided to walk back. The, you see, what happened is when we didn't have a plan and we didn't have a destination, we were bound to get lost at some point, and we did. But what God has done and what Jesus says to the disciples, why you don't need to worry is because I have prepared a place for you. There is a place that I'm preparing. There is an eternity. There's a destiny. There's a destination that I've prepared for you. And many times when we worry in our lives today, it's because we've lost sight of the fact that my story doesn't end here. My story keeps going well into eternity, and so often we lose sight of that because we're just seeing the issues and the concerns we have now, but we can trust in God because he has prepared a place for us. It's a reminder to us that we have to see our worries today in light of that place that he's prepared for us, in light of that future that he has for us. When I was younger, I, I, my room, the room that I shared with my brother, faced out uh, to the front street, and there was a huge street light right outside of my bedroom window. Every night when I would go to bed as a little kid, that street light would shine a shadow into our room, a very ominous shadow of a tree hanging over our bed, almost like claws hanging over our bed every single night. And my brother and I would talk about it at night, and we would pretend it was going to attack us, and sometimes we wouldn't let ourselves sleep because we would actually be scared of this claw-like figure that was on our walls about to attack us at night. But here was the truth about that shadow. As soon as the sun came up, that shadow was gone. Or as soon as we flicked on the light, that shadow was gone. And in many ways, this is our worry in life right now. We see the claw, the shadow reaching over us every single day. And we're saying, God, how do I get through this? What am I going to do about this problem, this worry, this trouble in my life? But then Jesus is saying, if you just flick on the light for a second, you will see your problem in light of my goodness, in light of eternity, in light of all that I have planned for you and all I have prepared for you. You won't see your worry just as, whoa, there's this ominous problem in my life. You'll see it as there may be a problem. But as soon as I flick on the light of Jesus, that problem disappears in my life. That problem is seen in a new perspective. This is what we have to do when it comes to our problems, our concerns, and the light of a place that's prepared for you and I. 
It's one of the greatest hopes and joys that we have as believers that our story does not end here. That when my story ends here, my story starts in eternity right after that. That if you are thinking about your loved one that you've lost or you're worried about the sickness that's in your life, understand that ultimately the worries that we have here pale in comparison to the millions and millions of years of eternity that we will spend with God. He's prepared a place for you. And this morning you don't need to worry because your future, your destiny, your destination is secured in him. Trust in God. He has prepared a place for you. If you think about when you're driving a car, when you're mowing the lawn, you don't look at the step right in front of you. You don't look at the ground right in front of you. You look into the distance because where you're looking is typically where you're heading. And that's an easy way to follow a path. Jesus says, don't look down at the problem right now in front of you. Look at the place that I've prepared for you. And you'll see your worries in a very, very different light if you do that. So number one, God has prepared a plan. Number two, God has prepared a place. And number three, God has prepared a person. God has prepared a person. If you think about, again, why we failed so miserably in our hiking trip, because we had no idea what we were doing, and there was no one among us that had an idea what they were doing. The property manager told us, find a guide, find someone who can help you, find someone who knows the way. And every single time we said, eh, we've got this. We're 19, we're young, we're men, we can do this. And we learned quickly that that was not the case. We needed a person to help us. Jesus says like this in that same chapter, John chapter 14, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, this is verse 26, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. One of the toughest things about dealing with worry, those sleepless nights, the restless anxiety that floods our hearts sometimes is we often think that we are alone. And Jesus reminds us in John 14, you are not alone. I may leave you physically over these next couple of hours, but I will never leave you, ever. Because I'm sending someone better, an advocate to come and to stand for you, to stand with you, to be there for you every step of the way. You are not alone. And it's a reminder from Christ this morning to everyone here that you are not alone in the midst of what you worry about right now. I remember a couple of years ago, uh, my wife and I, we were driving down to New Jersey. And while we were driving, now I was doing what I call driving. But the officer who pulled me over said I was speeding, is what he said. And so while we're in that situation, and I get this ticket for speeding and for passing a red light or something else too, while I'm going through this situation, I'm thinking to myself, wow, how am I going to get out of this one? Now, I happen to have a younger brother who's an attorney, and he works in New Jersey. So this actually worked out pretty well for me. I thought to myself, I'll bring my brother with me to stand before the judge in traffic court and stand on my behalf. And we go to the court that day. Now, if I had gone by myself, I would not know what to do. I would have gotten there, hoped for the best, seen what would happen. But I went, went with my brother. And when my brother walked in, he knew exactly where to go. He knew exactly where the, the prosecuting attorney's office was. He went right up to him, had a quick conversation with him. Fifteen minutes later, I'm standing before a judge who says, we'll throw out this specific charge. We'll reduce another charge down to something lesser. You are fine. Just pay a, a fine and you can go home. 
I don't know what happened. In 15 minutes, my ticket and all my moving violations were removed down to these simple traffic of these parking violations, and I got away with all of it. Why? Because someone stood in my place, some advocate was there, my ally was there, and he went and stood in my place, and he said all the right things. He guided me in the right direction, and before you knew it, I was out of that entire situation. The Holy Spirit is the advocate, is what Christ calls him, the advocate that stands with you in the moment of your need. If you are here right now and you are wondering, how will I ever get through this thing I'm going through right now? My friend, you are not alone today. You are not by yourself. Jesus said that if I go, I will send you another comforter, an advocate, an ally to fight with you, to stand with you, to walk with you through whatever it is that you're going through right now. You may have come here this morning to Belmont carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders as you walked in, but you do not need to walk out the same way because that advocate is willing to carry it with you this morning. What is it that overwhelms you? What is it that worries you today? Jesus said, you are not alone. There is someone else standing by your side. And it's sometimes it's tough to hear about the Holy Spirit, to know who the Holy Spirit is. This is the Spirit of God at work in you. Think about this for a second. Throughout the Old Testament, it was God in front of us, God before us, leading us and showing us the way. In the New Testament, it was Jesus with us, Emmanuel, God with us. But today, you and I have it even better because it is not God with us or God before us. It is God in us. And that makes it so much better for all of us. God is in you. His Holy Spirit guides you. It protects you. It, pr it provides an ally and an advocate through whatever life throws your way. You are not alone. Here's what the Bible uses to describe the Holy Spirit. It says there in the book of John that it is, he is the comforter. It says in the book of Romans that he helps in our weaknesses. It says in Isaiah that he helps us in the hurt of rejection. It says in Matthew that he helps us in the hurt of false accusation. In Psalms, it says he hurt, helps us in the hurt of disappointment. In Matthew, again, it says he helps us in the hurt of failure. It says in Genesis that he helps us in the hurt of deep trauma. No matter what you are going through in life, you have a helper standing by your side, and it is the Holy Spirit of God. He has prepared a plan. He has prepared a place. He has prepared a person. You are not alone this morning. Jesus says to his disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. What is the cure for worry? It's not for you and I to come up with a better plan. It's not for you and I to find a good destination where we can end up. It's not for you and I to find the right friends or family members to walk alongside us. Those things are good at times. But it's for us to trust in God that he has prepared a plan, he has prepared a place, and he has prepared a person for us. Trust in God and everything else will fall into place according to his plan. Let not your hearts be troubled. Before he ends off that chapter, and we'll close with this today. I invite our worship team to come forward as we close out our service this morning. But Jesus says like this to his disciples about peace. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. 
I'm sure many of us sitting here right now have had some really rough nights lately. Maybe in the last year, it's not been easy for us. And to hear about peace in a time of chaos can be tough. To hear about this peace that's being offered and to feel no peace day in and day out can be very difficult. I know I've been there. To know that I can't sleep at night because of a trouble or a worry or a concern that just boggles my heart constantly, that makes me worry and concerned. And in the midst of that, Jesus looks to his disciples and he says, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives peace. I want to give you a little idea of what ends up happening to those 11 men he's speaking to at that moment. These 11 men who were afraid, distraught, and worried that night would go on to flip the world upside down. Those 11 men would change history forever. Many of us sitting in this room right now can tie our own salvation back to someone to someone, to someone, to someone who heard from these 11 men about Jesus Christ. These 11 men who were afraid that night would do an amazing, incredible changing of the world forever. The world has never been the same because of these 11 men and what Jesus said to them. Why is that possible? How is that possible? And it's so simple. They put their trust in God. They let the Holy Spirit guide them day in and day out. They believed that there was a better place waiting for them. These 11 men did not have an easy life. They were tortured. All 11, well, 10 of them died brutal deaths because of the sake of the Lord that they loved. But they changed the world in the process because they trusted in God. What can you and I do if we stop focusing on our worries and start focusing on a God who wants to use us to change the world? What can we do then? Can you put your trust in God this morning? Can you lay your burden down and say, God, I'm tired of carrying this burden. I'm tired of carrying this weight. I'm so tired of carrying this pain I feel. I just want to leave it at your feet this morning, and I want to do what you've called me to do. I want to go and change the world. I want to go and do something better. But it starts by laying down your worry, casting your care upon him because he cares for you. This morning, there's an opportunity to receive this peace that is promised to you. It may not come in the form of the immediate answer you expect. It may come in that form. But more importantly, can you trust the plan? Can you trust the place? Can you trust the person that is prepared for you today? If you don't have a relationship with this Lord who loves you, who's willing to give his life for you this morning, we encourage you to come see us today before you leave. But if you are here this morning and you want to lay your worry down and just let your burden go, this altar is open for you this morning. As we worship God together, do not hesitate to come up and just kneel before God and say, God, I give you the weight of my shoulders right now. I give you the burden on my life now, and I trust you this morning. Some of our elders and leaders will be available for you for prayer. Bill and Karen will be available. Lynn and I will be available. I know Pastor Brian will be here to pray with you. Don't let this opportunity go by. You don't need to go home carrying the weight that you brought into this place. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Let's pray together. Lord, we come before you this morning and we say thank you. Where there was no way, you became the way. Where there was no access to the Father, you said you can have it through me. 
where there was no peace, where there was chaos and distress and worry in our lives, you stepped in and you healed us, Lord God. You made a way. You prepared a plan. You prepared a place. And you prepared a person to walk with us. Lord, I lift up every burden that's in this room right now, every worry, every concern, every care on our hearts. And we lay it down at your feet this morning, God, and we say, heal us this morning. Help us to see you in the midst of all of this. Help us to flick the light on and see you instead of the shadows that creep over our lives. Help us to trust in you this morning. We give you thanks in this place, God, because you care for our every need. You said your yoke is easy and your burden is light. You asked us to come and to lay our burdens down at your feet, and so we do that today, Lord. You are the way. You are the truth. and You are the life, and for that we thank you. We thank you that we have a direct access to God through you, and we give you glory and honor and praise. Thank you for the peace you are blessing us with. Thank you that our hearts need not be troubled anymore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location. At Mount Hope, we gather in Belmont every Sunday at 10 a.m. and in Burlington at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Each week that we gather, we do so to learn more about God, grow in our love of Him and others, and then we go to live lives driven by faith. If you live in the Burlington or Belmont, Massachusetts areas, we'd love for you to join us on a Sunday. You can learn more about us by visiting our website at mounthope.org, M-O-U-N-T-H-O-P-E.org, or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at mthopebelmont. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to having you listen again next week.